most people think they can't really change something that they are maybe just lazy and that's how they are and they don't really realize that they could already work on it without the diagnosis so i feel like if you get the diagnosis that's kind of the turning point for a lot of people that they realize oh i can actually work on this and maybe change some things around uh find my strength and maybe work on my weaknesses or get help for my weaknesses Hello and welcome to the Women and ADHD podcast. I'm your host, Katie Weber. I was diagnosed with ADHD at the age of 45, and it completely turned my world upside down. I've been looking back at so much of my life, school, jobs, my relationships, all of it with this new lens, and it has been nothing short of overwhelming. I quickly discovered I was not the only woman to have this experience, and now I interview other women who, like me, discovered in adulthood they have ADHD and are finally feeling like they understand who they are and how to best lean into their strengths, both professionally and personally. Before we start, I'd love to share with you this review from a listener named Lisa who left this review on Amazon. It's entitled Fantastic Information. I received a diagnosis of ADHD at age 56, and I was completely thunderstruck. What do I do now? This podcast answers your questions if you are a woman of any age with ADHD. It's so comforting to know that you are not the only woman out there, and it's a great resource of information. Well, thank you, Lisa. I am so thrilled that you found the podcast, and I'm glad it's been such a great resource for you on this journey. And thank you for the feedback and for taking the time to write a review. I definitely know how difficult it can be to stop what you're doing and remember to put your thoughts into words. So thank you. It makes such a big difference in getting this podcast noticed and found by other women who are starting to connect the dots and could really benefit from hearing these conversations and knowing they're not alone and they're not lazy, stupid, or broken. And if you're a listener of this podcast and you've been helped by these conversations, a lovely way to say thank you is to take a moment to leave a review or even just hit those five stars. In fact, if you'd like, you can just pause right now and do it. I promise I'll wait for you. Okay, here we are at episode 102, in which I interview Dr. Janina Elbert. Dr. Elbert has a PhD in clinical psychology with an extensive background in prenatal risk factors and child development. She's also an ADHD advocate and a certified ADHD coach. Through her ADHD empowerment coaching practice, Dr. Elbert helps individuals with ADHD to learn, understand, and work with their unique brains to reach their full potential and feel empowered in their life. She also recently moved from Germany to Connecticut with her boyfriend. We talk all about executive functioning coaching and what it entails, as well as the difference between between therapy and coaching as different treatment modalities for ADHD. And we discuss when it's time to get coaching versus therapy. We also talk about how ADHD is regarded in Germany and some of the differences and similarities faced by women seeking an ADHD diagnosis in Europe versus North America. All right, enjoy. Okay, well, welcome, Janita. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me here to your podcast. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm always excited to talk to anyone with psychology backgrounds, because if you've listened to the podcast, you know, I'm like endlessly asking the question of like, what are we talking about here? <laughs> uh, so I'm excited to pick your brain about all of that. But first, I want to hear about your own diagnosis. When were you diagnosed? How old were you? And kind of what was going on in your own life that led you to really start putting connecting the dots uh, and say, I should, I should really look into this. Mm, 
So I was diagnosed like two years ago, so fairly recently. But I feel like since I started school, like first grade, I always knew something was different. Like when I compared myself to like my peers, I feel like my brain always worked differently. And I noticed that, but I never had the answer. And that kind of followed me all the way throughout school. And I always wondered, like, why are certain things so easy for, like, all my colleagues, my friends, but are so hard for me, like simple things like doing the homework, actually remembering that you have to do the homework and so on. So I always, like, ask myself the question, like, what is it? Like, what makes me so different? And when I got into, like, high school, you know, I learned more about ADHD. I was like, hmm, maybe I could have ADHD, but it didn't really fit into the typical, like, ADHD hyperactive boy, like, type. So from there, like, I always had that, like, recurring thought of maybe it's ADHD, but never really followed through. Which is very ADHD, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> and in university, like I started more l- learning about like different neurodevelopmental disorders and also ADHD. And I learned that there's also this inattentive type, which kind of fit more to me. But then I was like, yeah, what? why should I get a diagnosis? It's so much work. (laughs) And what am I, what is going to change? Like if it's a actually ADHD, like I will have, have it all my life, but I can't change it. Right. And then at some point I was like, okay, I should get a diagnosis just to like make sure I can go from there. But then it was like, again, so much work. I like maybe called one doctor and then they didn't have any spots open. And then, like, I tried again, like, a year after. <laughs> and it kind of went on like this until I finally was like, okay, I just want to get the diagnosis. And no, either I have ADG or I don't. And then, like, I called every doctor or psychiatrist, like, in my area to see who has, like, appointments and who is diagnosing adults for ADHD. And then I finally found someone and. The wait time was only like six months. So I finally had the appointment and then went to the psychiatrist and then it went on from there. Oh my goodness. That's so relatable. I feel like that story is so common, right? Which is the dearth of therapists and psychologists right now at the moment who are who are able to even give assessments and kind of that feeling of like, once you sort of decide to seek a diagnosis, the impatience <laughs> sets in where it's like, I need this now. And the wait times are just insane right now. And I'm like, I'm always, I feel like I'm always trying to say like, really, the formal diagnosis is really just sort of the icing on the cake, right? Like really, the diagnosis starts with your own identifying and starting to like have that self-led research and that self-led knowledge and like going down those rabbit holes of like, oh, my goodness. And even like you said, like, why should I even get the diagnosis? That was, I think, what was so profound for me, which was like, yeah, you know, I had been kind of thinking about it like in a peripheral way because my therapist had recommended it. So I was sort of like, yeah, I probably have ADHD, but like, what does it really matter? What even is it? Like, how is this going to change my life? And then when I, I don't know, something like a switch 
flipped. And I just was like, once I actually started relating to it and researching it, it became my everything. And it was so life changing. Mm -hmm. And that's why I started the podcast because I was like, this is are other people experiencing this like it was just so dramatically life changing to start to identify myself through this lens, and to kind of really start to change my view of who I was fundamentally. And I think that's why a diagnosis is so important. But yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard to say to people like, yeah, it's really validating, go get a professional diagnosis. Also, it's going to take three years. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, basically. But I think getting the diagnosis really helped me acknowledging that I have ADHD because before I always was like, maybe I'm using it just as an excuse. Maybe I'm basically stupid and I can't do these easy things, right? So it really helped me getting the official diagnosis. So always when I like kind of started doubting myself or doubting that I have ADHD, I was like, no, a psychiatrist actually diagnosed me. Yeah, that could be really validating too, right? To realize that like, yeah, the, I actually did, I forget that I actually did talk to a medical professional who, who can corroborate some of this and I'm not alone in this. Yeah, because I think that's also like the, the level of self-doubt and that internalized ableism that we deal with so much, which is also part of this journey, right? Which is like, I'm just lazy. I, I feel like I've talked about that too, which is like, I think the reason why I constantly go back to the like, well, you could do this if you really wanted to, or if you tried harder is because like, you know, not only do we have internalized those messages, but I think also like when you can visualize yourself getting up and doing the thing, it's really difficult to understand the executive dysfunction side of it, right? Which is like, I can see myself doing this. I have the desire to do it. So I don't understand why I'm not doing it. Like you don't understand why I'm not doing it. I don't even understand why I'm doing it and why I think executive functioning and understanding what it is, is so important to coaching. And, you know, so I'm always excited when I see them kind of listed hand in hand, because uh, and I've said this on the podcast before, like I didn't, I never even heard the term executive functioning until I was diagnosed with ADHD and was really like, you know, kind of inducted into this world of this lingo and jargon. <laughs> yeah, me too. In the university, I studied like pharmacology, molecular medicine, psychology, and I was never taught about like executive functioning and the depth of ADHD. Right, that there's actually this sort of disconnect between desire and action, which leads us to have so much of that shame, honestly, not knowing why we can't do the thing. Yeah, exactly. So now you started out in science? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> I started studying like my bachelor's in pharmacology and then my master's in molecular medicine but always with a major in neuroscience. And then I did my PhD in psychology. Wow. There's a syndrome where when you're studying something in medicine or when you're studying a disorder in psychology that you start to identify with that disorder because you're like, oh, I see that in me. I see that in me. And so I, I feel like a lot of psychology students have that oh yeah worry which is like when i'm studying adhd you're like do i have adhd or do i just like really identify with with this uh did you experience that when you started studying it yeah definitely what was your doctorate in clinical psychology and it was actually in prenatal development and risk factors and then like the long-term consequences on the child adolescent 
Ah, so what have you? What an interesting patchwork too of background that you have, which also just screams ADHD, right? Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> but to have the pharmacology background must be so helpful too, in terms of um, just the understanding of you know the questions we all have around medication, right? Which is like, how do I even know what medication I need? How do I know if it's working? Like, do you work with your clients a lot with that in terms of figuring out? which of the myriad medications they might even try? Mm, no, I just like work on mainly like executive functioning skills and not so much with ADHD medication because I just don't feel qualified in like actually giving advice. And surprisingly, most of my clients don't take ADHD medication, which I just realized. <laughs> I don't. You know, I don't take it either. I've tried a couple of them and then I kind of had to stop because it was getting so frustrating and it was taking up so much bandwidth, you know, of, of like, is this, why is this working? Is it working? Is it not working? And I was sort of like, I need to take a pause and I'll revisit ADHD medication at some point. But for now, I'm kind of managing without it. Mm -hmm. When did you decide to become an ADHD coach? That was like after my diagnosis, because then... I really, I guess, hyper-focused and researched everything about ADHD, probably listened to every ADHD podcast out there. And I felt like I really needed to support other people with ADHD. And like at the university clinic, because while I was doing my PhD in Germany, you also work in the clinic part-time. That's like how you get your paid, your salary, basically. And I saw so many people just struggling and not receiving help that they actually need. And a lot of like children always came in and wanted a ADHD diagnosis. And then actually the mothers were like, wait, do I have ADHD? Like I said, yes, basically, or tick the box on every uh, symptom. And that's how I realized that so many people also needed the help that I needed. And I just felt that coaching could provide more help than therapy, or at least that's what I felt like. Because for me, coaching helped me more than therapy for my like ADHD symptoms, managing daily life. And so I looked into ADHD coaching, the different programs and what you can do. And that's how I started ADHD coaching. First, the training. Right. Yeah. I feel like they, yeah, I think the reason why coaching is so, so popular and so effective within the ADHD community is like basically the accountability aspect, right? At that idea that like you have basically like a personal trainer <laughs> for your brain uh, and somebody you're going to show up for and somebody that is going to help you become accountable to yourself and build that habit that you're not just going to suddenly wake up one day and be like, okay, now I'm accountable to myself. Like that is actually like a muscle that you need to build. When I try to like distinguish between coaching and therapy and kind of what the benefits are for somebody who's newly diagnosed, often I will say that you know, you have to be ready for coaching. Mm. 
And I think with therapy, sometimes you need therapy first to kind of work. You know, I have a lot of clients who come to me who really need therapy and they might not be ready for the coaching part. And so that can be difficult, too, because coaching is so effective. But, yeah, it's it's always fascinating to me to think about why is coaching specifically so effective for ADHD clients, especially. I'd like to take a moment to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. If you're a regular listener of this podcast, you know I am a big proponent of therapy. Therapy provides me the best opportunity for verbal processing, something that is so important for my kind of brain and my sense of self. What I love about BetterHelp is that it's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional therapy that's done securely online from the comfort of your home. They assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And it's available for clients worldwide. So you get access to a broad range of expertise that might not be available to you locally. It also tends to be more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available. If you visit their website and read their testimonials, there are actually quite a few reviews that specifically reference health with ADHD. As a special offer for listeners of the Women and ADHD podcast, you'll get 10% off your first month. Simply sign up at betterhelp.com slash womenADHD. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash womenADHD. And there's a link in the show notes. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Any other parents out there who have struggled to instill good financial habits into their kids? I know I have. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode, Go Henry by Acorns, the smart debit card and app for kids 6 through 18. With Go Henry, kids can learn about money, set spending and saving goals, and even track chores and earn allowance money right within the app. They learn the value of money by using their Go Henry debit cards, while we as parents can set spend limits and help guide their journey while staying informed every step of the way. It gives me so much peace of mind to know that I'm using a smart tool to proactively teach my kids about money and prepare them for future success. Set your kids up for success and get started today at gohenry.com slash women ADHD. Again, that's gohenry.com slash women ADHD. TNCs apply, renews from $4.99 per month unless canceled. Growing up in Germany, looking over your life through this lens of ADHD, what were some of those things where you look back and think, oh my goodness, of course, that was clearly ADHD all along? And then also, how is it viewed differently, if at all, in Germany than in you know um, the US or even the UK? So I feel like there are many, many things that were like, oh my God, how did no one realize it was ADHD? <laughs> Like in school, I always got like in exams, I always misread the question or didn't read the word no, not or no, or I just couldn't finish the exam in time because I kind of forgot that we were writing the exam and I was just staring out of the window. (laughs) I remember like during class, I would always watch the person in front of me and was like, how can they sit so still? And then I always tried sitting as still as they would. And I was like, I can't do this. Like my legs are like on fire. I just need to move them around. And I feel like that followed me all throughout, like especially school, forgetting homework and so on. And so, yeah, I feel like now it was very, very obvious that I have ADHD. Mm-hmm. 
when you were diagnosed, did you tell your parents about it or what was their reaction? Mm -hmm. um, we talked about it before because it was always, or at least from like high school on, I guess, it was kind of a running joke that, oh, you have ADHD or like my whole family has ADHD, but no one is actually diagnosed. <laughs> and so I also told them like that I wanted to actually now really pursue getting the diagnosis seeing a psychiatrist. So when I received the diagnosis, they weren't surprised. <laughs> mm. They didn't react negatively. You know, like, I feel like sometimes a lot of the times parents are like, what are you talking about? That's not ADHD. That's just us. That's just normal. That's who we are. No, luckily, they weren't surprised at all. And they're happy that I found like, I guess now I found like my passion in ADHD and they can really see that and they appreciate that. Mm, that's lovely. And now, okay, so the second part of my question was kind of how do you feel like ADHD is viewed overall in Germany? Mm, I feel like ADHD is still not really a thing. People are becoming more aware of it. Whereas here in the U.S., you see like flyers everywhere when you like Google ADHD, like in your or in the city that I live in. Um, there are so many like doctors specialized in ADHD and so on. Whereas in Germany, it's so hard to even find a specialist in ADHD to get help in ADHD. And especially for adults, like finding a psychiatrist who can actually diagnose an adult, at least in the area where I am from in Germany, is very, very difficult. And it's also not really talked about in school or university. Like when I studied in the UK, those who were diagnosed with ADHD, they had more time on the exam and extra time for like certain tasks and so on but in germany that just doesn't exist accommodations in general yeah exactly for adhd ah interesting i feel like it's fairly recently like within the last 20 years that adhd was even listed as being a learning disorder that you could get an iep for in school is that that just doesn't exist in german in germany in school the school systems it might be listed, but no one talks about it. And so if you actually have ADHD in like school or university, I'm not sure that they would actually go talk to, I don't know, guidance counselor or whatever, because no one really talks about it. It might start to change now. Like I see people are like opening up and... Also, some ADHD coaches are coming to Germany, but it's very slow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it feels like everything feels really slow, right? <laughs> when you have ADHD. Because it just feels like, right? Like it feels like so many of us are finding out this information on our own and sort of identifying and saying, oh my goodness, I really think I have ADHD. Now what? And then you're kind of left with this like, oh, well, you could wait three years for, for an official diagnosis. Uh, and, and you're like, uh, okay, what do I do in the meantime? Yeah, exactly. So what do you, do you have a lot of clients who are in that kind of waiting mode or? 
who haven't been officially diagnosed. Because that's the other thing too, which I'm like, it's hard. An official diagnosis, like we were saying, like can be so validating in terms of the chronic self-doubt that we have around the, um, is this ADHD or is this just, you know, laziness? But at the same time, like, I would never say to somebody, you know, wait until you get your official diagnosis before you do anything. Uh, so what do you kind of advise clients who aren't officially diagnosed? How to, to get over that, that idea of that self-doubt? I would say that actually most of my clients are diagnosed with ADHD or some message me and ask for like coaching and say that they want to wait until their official diagnosis. I always say that we can start like coaching anytime because it doesn't really matter if it says it basically on the paper or not. It's more about how they feel and what they want to work on if they struggle with executive functioning or not. So I would say you definitely do not need the official diagnosis. But for certain people, it may be the thing that they need to just feel validated. Yeah, definitely. That's certainly how it worked for me. I feel like it was incredibly validating, but I also feel like it was not really... In terms of my own journey, it was just such a tiny blip in terms of like all of how, you know, the the constant hyper-focusing and rabbit holes and research and self-learning that I've journey that I've gone on. Yeah, totally. For the people that reach out to me for coaching, they've started thinking actually about getting coaching and changing them something only after the diagnosis because before that's the feeling that I get that most people think they can't really change something that they are maybe just lazy and that's how they are and they don't really realize that they could already work on it without the diagnosis so I feel like if you get the diagnosis that's kind of the turning point for a lot of people that they realize, oh, I can actually work on this and maybe change some things around, uh, find my strength and maybe work on my weaknesses or get help for my weaknesses. That's what I'm going through with my teenage daughter right now, because both of my kids were diagnosed over the summer and I have an 11 year old and a 15 year old. And so she's sort of like at that stage where she's like, mom, I don't have to clean my room. I have ADHD. And I'm like, yeah. You know, where we have that conversation a lot of like ADHD is an explanation. It's not an excuse. So let's talk about the pros and cons of having a messy room versus a clean room. And how does it feel like? How is this going to affect your studying and all of that stuff where there is a part of me that's like, it's not that big of a deal. Like realizing how much we have to analyze, you know, the benefits of things with ADHD and like how, you know, where you really have to be like, okay, so yeah. Your ADHD is probably why you have a dif- difficulty cleaning your room. So that's really fascinating to know that that's a why and that you are not just a lazy person who who doesn't feel like it. So that's always really fascinating. But then we have to get to the next stage, which is, do I want my room clean? <laughs> why or why not? Who is it going to benefit? What does it involve? And then all of that. So yeah, I'm actually looking into getting her, both my kids, executive functioning coaches in the fall to, to work with those, you know, all of the important structures and stuff that they're going to need. Like, 
you know, these things that I feel like we aren't taught, why are we not taught these things in school? Like why, I, that's my big question with executive functioning, which is like, why, why do they teach like home ec and baking, but they don't teach basic things like how to create a study schedule or like how to write an email or, <laughs> or like w- conversational skills or, you know, a lot of these like social skills that my kids are not just inherently getting right. Like I'm like you, you know, coming up with the benefits, I think, of why we need certain structures in our life, I think is something that like a lot of kids don't just get, or at least neurodivergent kids might not get, or we really have to kind of break down. So actually, let's, since we're on the topic, like what's involved in executive function coaching? For example, now I'm trying to find an example. If someone has like problems with always finding their key we look into why are they losing the key? What can we change around for them to find the key again? Like putting the key right, maybe leaving it hanging on the doorknob or having like a box right in front of the door. So just really looking at the problem and seeing what solutions would suit them. Right. Yeah. That's a great point. I think that was something that was really important for me in my own journey was that idea that like, there's going to be things that work for other people and they're not going to work for me. And that's okay. It just takes a little bit of extra work to realize that I have to figure out what works for me and not just be like, I can't do that. That's not something I can do. So I'm just not going to do that. Uh, (laughs) Exactly. But to actually get to the point where I'm like, no, there's probably a a system out there that is going to work for me. And maybe it's not going to work forever. Maybe it's only going to work for a couple of weeks, but you know, it still feels like it to put a fine point on it. Like it feels like that's a better approach for me specifically than like to, you know, when everybody's like, Oh, you know what you have to do is you have to use a bullet journal. And I'm like, well, I don't know. Bullet journaling works for some people, but I tried it and it doesn't work for me. So, you know, I think our, our instinct when things don't work for us is immediately be like, well, what's wrong with me? Everybody else seems to be able to bullet journal. And I'm like, I feel like that mentality is more prevalent with people who are neurodivergent. That idea that like, it's working for everybody else. Why is it not working for me? What's wrong with me that it's not working for me, right? Like I always use the example of left-handed scissors where everybody else, you're, where you're like, if you're left-handed and you're trying to use right-handed scissors and ev- they work for everybody else and you're like, what's wrong? Everybody else seems to be cutting fine. Why can't I cut? What's wrong with me that I can't use these scissors? And everyone else is like, well, it's, I don't know what's wrong. Like, just try harder, <laughs> um, yeah. right? And you're just like, no, I just needed a, the right scissors. Uh, and so that's the example I always use. But I think also I'm, oh, I'm curious, like, why are we more likely to go to that place of like, there's something wrong with me that this works for everybody else? Why don't we just say, you know, I must need left-handed scissors, right? Do you have a theory on why why people with, who are neurodivergent might think that way more? I feel like for neurotypicals, it's still the more acceptable way how they do things. Like in school, it's taught that way, basically. So I feel like most of us, we're told from a very young age that things should be done a certain way and everything out of this isn't normal and shouldn't be done that way. So we kind of internalized that and now we're always like, oh, I need to do it that way that I was taught, but 
and theory or and practice, it actually doesn't work that way for us. So I would just really hope that in the future, this would change around a bit more that it is acceptable to do things differently and still reach like the same goal. But maybe we just want to do things differently that work better for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It seems like such a simple concept in retrospect, right? Where I'm like, why did I spend so much of my life thinking there was something wrong with me because something didn't work for me as opposed to just immediately thinking, well, it doesn't work for me. Like, keep looking. Uh, and I think maybe there are certain people who do immediately feel that way. Uh, but for the vast majority of us, I think we spend our life, like you said, like thinking if it's working for everybody else, I just have to keep trying harder. At some point, it's going to start working for me. Mm-hmm exactly or if it's not working then something must be wrong with us when i was diagnosed with adhd it completely turned my world upside down i looked back at so much of my life my grades in school my multiple careers and hobbies my friendships my marriage motherhood my relationship with food and my body like all of this with a new lens and it was overwhelming to say the least if you've been diagnosed with ADHD and you're feeling blown away by this new insight into your brain and how it operates, I totally understand. I can help you begin to sort through this chaos, explore who you are and how your brain operates, so you can finally start to lean into your strengths and begin to use them to your advantage moving forward. Together, we can work to identify what obstacles you've been facing and create strategies to help you start living a more fulfilling, gratifying life. Head over to womeninadhd.com coaching to book a 30-minute initial consult with me so we can figure out if my brand of one-on-one -on -one coaching is right for you. Again, that's womeninadhd.com coaching, and you can find that link in the episode show notes. Hey friend, if there's one thing I've learned about ADHD over the last few years is that we can thrive with the right combination of accountability, planning, coaching, and peer support. Knowing all this, I set out to create the ultimate all-in-one coaching and accountability community for adults with ADHD or learning disabilities. I knew I couldn't do it alone, so I joined forces with one of my favorite ADHD coaches, Alex Gilbert of Capable Consulting, and together we launched the ADHD Lounge. The lounge was created as a safe place for neurodivergent adults away from other social media, where we offer live group calls, co-working, and body doubling every weekday for accountability, focus, and skill development. We have weekly and monthly goal planning sessions to keep yourself on track. We also have one-on-one -on -one office hours with myself and Alex, and of course, friendship and lots of peer support. We have three different membership levels to meet you where you're at. So if you're looking for an affordable way to stay connected, productive, and accountable, while also having regular access to ADHD coaching and expertise, then make sure to come join me in the ADHDlounge.com. Again, that's the ADHDlounge.com. And as a listener of the Women in ADHD podcast, you can get 30% off your first month with the code PODCAST30. So head to the ADHDlounge.com and use the code PODCAST30 to get 30% off your first month. During the early days of my diagnosis, as I was deep into hyper-focus ADHD research mode, I kept searching for some kind of all-in-one, everything you ever needed to know about ADHD and women handbook that I could reference and keep at my fingertips, but I never really found anything that suited me. That's why I've taken everything I've learned about ADHD in women and adults who are socialized as girls, and I've gathered it into a concise, easy-to-access, self-guided, and self-paced course so you can feel like you've got everything you need at your fingertips. 
It's called Hey, It's ADHD, and it has everything you need to start loving your brain and living a more fulfilling, gratifying life. I built this course to be helpful wherever you are on your ADHD journey. I am so excited to finally be able to offer this course, and I truly hope this will help you develop a deeper understanding of your ADHD brain and how to embrace it as you build yourself a toolkit for your own life. So head over to womenandadhd.com and click on the Hey, It's ADHD course tab for more information and to get started. So what would you say you love most about your ADHD since your diagnosis? I would say my creativity and that I'm not afraid of change. I feel like these are definitely the two things I really love about my ADHD. And that I also see that many like neurotypicals might struggle with. So that's something where I'm like, oh, this is something positive that ADHD is bringing to my life. Mm. And it's not just the negatives. Yeah, you know, I posted something the other day about um, how when you have ADHD, we don't have hobbies, we start businesses. And (laughs) that's something I kind of have learned to love about myself, right? Like I used to think I was such a failure because I would always start a new business and it would never go anywhere. And then I would start a different business. And I was like, had this sad drawer of business cards from like past failed businesses. And I always looked at it as such this like terrible, shameful, negative thing about myself. And now I'm kind of like, look at this. Yes, they never went anywhere, but they brought me to where I am today. And they've taught me all of these random skills that I love. And like, I, I feel like it's like, I look at it so differently now. And 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 it was interesting to see the, the responses to the post. Some people were like, yes, isn't it sort of funny how we start all these businesses and we can't help ourselves. But then other people who were had like real it was a real pain point where they were like, you know, I've spent all this money and it's never gone anywhere. Or, you know, I've, I've really tried, but it just never seems to get past this certain point where that, you know, you could feel like there was a lot of sadness and disappointment involved, you know, with this idea. And I'm like, it's so interesting how our view can shift so much in terms of like who we are in these situations based on the diagnosis. Mm -hmm, Definitely. And I also feel like our own opinion on that might also change throughout life where depending on what situation we're in right now I feel like for me like reflecting back at my own life and looking at certain projects I started or things I studied sometimes I'm like yes this was very valuable to me and this is has brought me actually to where I am right now or some like maybe certain times in my life I was like wow this was such a waste of time I could have done something else differently yeah oh yeah I think especially about salary too where like if I had stayed at a job you know for for decades or you know uh I think that's one thing where you know we tend to because we tend to flit around and leave jobs we can not make as much money. I remember seeing that in the psychology textbook that of the course I took this summer where it was like one of the life problems of people with ADHD is chronically lower salaries. And I'm like, yeah, that fits, <laughs> you know, because I'm like, I don't stay anywhere anywhere long enough. So yes, it, I think it absolutely depends on where you are in your, you know, in the ebb and flow of the roller coaster of ADHD, where you are in your life at that point, whether it's positive or negative. 
And that's something I love to talk about on the podcast, too, which is like, is this a disorder? Is this a superpower? Like, it feels very complicated and nuanced. If you could rename ADHD to something that's less confusing, uh, would you call it something else? Mm, I feel like attention deficit disorder is definitely not the right word because we don't have a deficit in attention, right? So maybe attention regulating disturbance because I don't like the word disorder because it puts such a negative image on ADHD, I guess. So maybe, yeah, attention regulating disturbance because it's hard for us to like regulate where we put our attention. Right disturb it that's a new one i've heard people i've heard guests call it syndrome instead of disorder because of the fact that we're like is this really a disorder but i also really respect when when uh guests want to keep the disorder part because it's sort of it it gives it a, a gravitas right like it gives it a sense that you'll actually be able to seek help and have accommodations and some of the you know if we're only calling it a superpower then we aren't going to get the proper channels of help that some people who are, who might actually be in a situation where they're really struggling really need. So I get it. I don't know. Like, I feel very uncomfortable calling this a disorder because I'm like, is this a disorder? It just seems like we've got these weird, wonderful brains. <laughs> but I also really appreciate when I'm diagnosed with a disorder when it comes to like seeking accommodations for time and a half in school and all of that. I feel like it definitely is something on the spectrum of like syndrome disorder but what i love is when people from there find their superpowers i'm not sure if i would personally call adhd my superpower but certain strength or certain ideas i get from like my creative brain is definitely a superpower yeah, and I really like the wording on your website, too, where you talk about working with your brain instead of against it. And I have that same idea, right, which is like, this is really about learning what works for you and and figuring out how to work with that and, and get the best outcome instead of always trying to kind of swim upstream and force the square peg into the round hole. So and, you know, with ADHD empowerment, coaching really is a great term. So now with your coaching practice, you work with English and German speaking clients, right? Mm -hmm. And do you, is there, do you find there's a difference between the two in terms of like, are there, are there, oh, that's such a stereotype, but I'm like, is there obvious differences between English speaking and German speaking clients in terms of their thoughts around what even is ADHD? Mm, not necessarily. I would say for me personally, because just German is my um, native language, it has a certain difference because I feel like I can just express myself better and express myself better with my clients. But on how every one of those views ADHD, I would say it's very similar. It's actually sometimes pretty funny like how similar everyone's stories are like I work m mainly with women and I feel like most of them went through very very similar experiences even though they live like on totally different continents which is crazy 
Yeah. I mean, I find that with interviewing guests, too. I'm always fascinated, um, you know, to talk to people from different countries. I grew up in Canada. And so Canada and the U.S., as much as we I'd like to say they're very I mean, in many ways, they're very different countries. But at the same time, I feel like it's not as different as if you were speaking a different language. But like, I feel, yeah, it is. It's always amazing to me how similar our stories are in terms of our childhood and kind of what these signs that nobody saw or nobody knew. And, you know, this whole journey of self-realization is so similar. But I also noticed that like the women who I'm speaking with or reaching out to are predominantly from Western Europe or Australia. And, you know, it's like there's vast, you know, I, I find it even though I have listeners in a lot of countries in Asia, um, I very rarely have anybody reaching out <laughs> to be on the podcast who's willing to speak openly about it. It's just not something they feel comfortable speaking openly about in terms of like the shame around, you know, the diagnosis itself. And I think there are so many different cultures that are so far behind. Not even I don't even know if it's behind, but it's just very, very, it's just viewed so differently in terms of of being open about it or, or here, I feel like it's viewed as this like quirky characteristic that it never occurred to me to be ashamed of it until I started being open about it. And then realized I was like, Oh, right. Okay. Like I, it just never occurred to me that if I was open about my ADHD, people were going to react differently to me <laughs> and until they did. And then I was like, Oh yeah, that was really short-sighted on my part to like, just like, you know, let my freak flag fly, but I, I, I can't live my life any other way. So here we are. But, <laughs> but yeah, anyway, what was my point? I think my point was the fact that, you know, it's, it's fascinating to me that there's definitely like the same handful of countries where women are able to even speak openly about this journey. Definitely. Even though I think people are listening to this podcast in every continent and every country, almost. I don't know if it's everyone, but a lot where I'm like, oh, that's okay, cool. You go. Yeah, that's, <laughs> it's just always crazy to think about, but also very, very cool. And you have like such a wide audience, like that makes social media, I guess, very, a very neat thing that you can just build such a wide community from all these different countries and get everyone's perspective that's just always so interesting to me right especially since i i wholeheartedly believe that like finding each other and having these conversations with each other is so healing when you have adhd right so much of this neurodivergence is like the loneliness and the shame and how we desperately need to have these conversations with each other to realize we're not the only ones who are feeling this way and that we're not alone and there's nothing wrong with us. Like it's finding each other is, has been so profoundly life-changing and, and I think such an important part of this journey that I'm always like, you know, I want, I want all, all these cool women to meet each other. <laughs> yes, me too. And like, that's the reason why I created my Instagram because I just wanted to connect people who also have ADHD because I didn't know anyone at that time and like my circle who has ADHD and who I could talk to about like all these symptoms and my struggles and why I'm doing certain things. And it's just so amazing that there's so many people out there who are also willing to share their stories and who you can connect to and like reach out to. I think that's, that's what I definitely love about like the Instagram 
profile that I created and the connection and the community. Yeah. Okay. So, so where can people find you on Instagram? On Instagram, it's ADHD empowerment coaching. Is it all one word or are there? Oh, it's like ADHD empowerment coaching. And then the, oh, what is it called? The underlines. Underscore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll have a link to it in the show notes and and your website too, which is ADHD empowerment coaching, right? Exactly. It's also ADHD empowerment coaching. Awesome. Okay. So now you recently moved to the States to in the East coast. What prompted your move? Like I was born in the US actually. And then we moved back to Germany for school. And then for high school, I went again back to the US for a year and then back to Germany. And now it's like, oh, I really want to like live in the States again just for a couple of years and then let's see. And then my boyfriend also got the opportunity here to study here and play soccer. So it was like the perfect opportunity to move together. And now we're here <laughs> and getting used to the different culture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I've been living here 20 years and I'm still getting used to the different culture. I don't know if I ever will. Uh, well, that's wonderful. And hopefully it's, you know, I'm like, I, as we said before I started recording, I was like, this the, the country's a dumpster fire right now. So I don't know. Um, but I guess we do have a different perspective. There's lots of things to love about living here. I'm I shouldn't be such a downer. Um, but that's awesome. And it's great when you have a, an online coaching, right? It's like you can kind of bring your business with you wherever you end up. So definitely. It's pretty neat. <laughs> yeah, wonderful. Okay, so if people would like to work with you, that what's the best way to reach out to you? Either on Instagram or like on Instagram, there's also a link to my website and also to my email. And either they can message me on my website or my Gmail. And my Gmail is also ADHDEmpowermentCoaching at gmail.com. Awesome. Well, wonderful. Well, it was so great to sit down and, and chat with you and hear your story. Thank you, Janina. Yeah, it's such a great time talking to you. Thank you. And there you have it. Thank you for listening. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Women and ADHD podcast. Also, you know, we ADHDers crave feedback and I would really appreciate hearing from you, the listener. If you're a fan of the podcast, please take a moment to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or Audible. And if that feels like too much and I get it, then just take a few seconds right now to give me a five-star rating. Or share this episode on your own social media to help reach more women who maybe have yet to discover and lean into this gift of neurodivergency. And they may still be struggling and don't even know why. And if you'd like to find out more about me and my one-on-one -on -one coaching for women with ADHD, head over to womenandadhd.com coaching. And you can always find that link in the show notes. I'll see you next week when I interview another amazing woman who discovered that she is not lazy or crazy or broken, but she has ADHD and she is now on the path to understanding her neurodiversity and finally using this gift to her advantage. Take care till then.